Good morning, and welcome to day 28 here of our readings from the School of Jesus Crucified on Avoiding Babylon. Uh, usually I record these at night, but I am recording this uh, on the morning that I put it out. And my four-year-old, Matthias, happens to be awake as well and down here with me. So if you see him or hear him, that is why. Hopefully he's a good boy and stays quiet for most of this. We'll see if that's the case. <laughs> of course. Um, anyway, so today is day 28 of our readings. And today our meditation is on Jesus elevated on his cross in the sight of all. Um, make sure you like this video or audio. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, Spiritus TV, Odyssey, Rumble, and all the different major audio podcast apps. Um, let's see here. I'm going to throw up a static image on screen so that there's nothing to watch. All you have to do is listen and meditate. Um, feel free to pause, rewind, replay, whatever you need to do to get the most out of this. Okay, so here we go. Jesus elevated on his cross in the sight of all. Meditation. The executioners having fastened Jesus with nails to the cross, raise him in the air between two thieves in the presence of all the people. Pause a while and gaze upon your dying Savior with deep compassion and earnest devotion. Consider number one his bodily sufferings. The vibration of the cross, when raised in the air, reopens the wounds of that torn and lacerated body, thus inflicting tortures of the most acute nature upon our blessed Jesus. Raised thus on high and hanging on three nails, our dear Lord rests solely upon the deep and momentarily increasing wounds of his hands and feet. In this state, the thought alone of which makes us shudder, does Jesus pass the last three hours of his life? Oh, what anguish, what indescribable, incomprehensible sufferings does Jesus endure in so painful a situation? And ought not this consideration to arouse in you feelings of the deepest love for that goodness and charity which has induced him to ascend the cross and endure such countless sufferings for love of you to heal your infirmities and save you from hell? How hard must your heart be if you are not touched by such a spectacle? There is not a single portion of the body of Jesus, from the crown of his head to the sole of his foot, that can be called whole, and that has not, <clears throat> and that has not its own particular suffering as he hangs upon the cross. His head is crowned with thorns, and he has not where to lay it. His adorable face is defiled with spittle and overspread with the pallid hue of death. His eyes are bloodshot, his flesh lacerated, his bones may be numbered, his hands and feet are pierced with nails, and every part of his body is torn and streaming with blood. My soul, behold the blood which when applied to thee in the sacraments has so often cleansed thee from thy sins. Behold the wounds which thy sins have so frequently opened afresh. Behold the condition to which the Son of God, the, thy Father and Savior, is reduced for love of thee. Behold what excruciating sufferings he is enduring 
to make satisfaction for thy sins. Side note, uh, excruciating, that word, actually comes from crucifixion. Uh, That root, the cruce, crux, is Latin word, you know, root for, for cross. So to be excruciating, you know, to have excruciating pain is literally to be crucified. Anyways, <clears throat> consider number two, the opprobrium which with he is overwhelmed, the insults and opprobrious words with which Jesus is loaded equal the excessive sufferings he endures in his body. And before his death, he is truly satiated with them. The Jews, having crucified two thieves together with him, elevate him on the cross between them in the sight of all the people so that he may appear as the worst malefactor of the three. Oh, with what confusion must the Son of God, the Holy of Holies, have been overwhelmed on beholding himself thus shamefully dishonored before so large a multitude? What deep sorrow must have filled his sacred heart on seeing his good name and honor thus infamously vilified and degraded? And yet, Our suffering Lord submits to everything with the most admirable patience and unexampled meekness. Behold what your pride has cost Jesus. Since to cure it in you and make satisfaction for it, he has endured such terrible infamy. His enemies, not yet satisfied, and being devoid of every feeling of humanity, insult him in his sufferings, mock him, and load him with curses and blasphemies, deriding his patience and defying him in insulting language to come down from the cross. All mock and reproach him and vie with one another by the most insulting gestures and language in making Jesus truly the outcast of the people and satiating him with outrages. What pain must such disgraceful insults have occasioned the heart of our innocent Lord? He sees his enemies all rejoicing and triumphing at his sufferings. He might in one instant have struck them dead and thus proved himself to be the almighty God, suffering and dying only because such is his will. And yet our most meek Lord, with unshaken fortitude, submits to be thus dishonored, without expressing the slightest emotion or anger, and without answering a single word. He beholds his honor attacked in its most tender point, and he well knows the evil intentions evil intentions with which the Jews are insulting and deriding him, yet he shows no resentment, but suffers in humility and silence. Learn from such an heroic example not to resent the evil that has done you, not to indulge in anger, nor to revenge the injuries you receive from others. How can you call yourself a Christian if you do not imitate the example left you by Jesus Christ on the cross? Consider three, the acute interior anguish of the soul of Jesus. The exterior sufferings of our blessed Redeemer are occasioned by the hatred of his enemies, but the interior sufferings of his soul are caused by his love towards you. So excessive are they, that of them alone, out of all his tortures, does our Savior mildly complain to his heavenly Father. Jesus might sweeten his sufferings, as he has since sweetened those of his martyrs, 
but it is his will to drink the bitter chalice of his passion without any alleviation or comfort. It is his will to die plunged in an abyss of mortal anguish, weariness, sadness, and affliction, and with his holy soul overwhelmed with sorrow. And if he receives any consolation from the divinity to support him through his passion, it is only that he may suffer the more. Understand now at least what mortal sin is. Since, in order to make satisfaction for it, a God-man dies thus immersed in a sea of sorrow. The circumstance of his most blessed body being exposed naked before the eyes of all is a source of great confusion to him. Deeply also is his soul afflicted at beholding himself placed between two thieves, and at hearing the disgraceful epithets and derisive words showered upon him. The hatred, ingratitude, and hard-heartedness of his beloved people grieve his merciful heart. Your want of love, your forgetfulness of his sufferings, your ingratitude for all his charity, the manner in which you have abused and trampled his blood underfoot, overwhelm his sacred soul with bitter sorrow. His blessed soul is soon to be separated from his body by the most infamous and ignominious of deaths, and his infinitely precious life is about to be sacrificed like that of a malefactor upon a disgraceful cross. Oh, deep and inexpressible indeed is the interior anguish of Jesus, and yet he accepts all, willingly suffers the whole bitterness of his most dolorous passion, and offers it up on the altar of the cross to his eternal Father for the salvation of mankind. And will you not joyfully sacrifice such, or such a passion, or burst of anger, or guilty friendship, for the sake of your soul and out of gratitude to Jesus? For the love of him who for your sake submitted to the painful separation of soul and body, will you not fly forever from such or such an occasion of sin, or such and such objects of your attachment? which absorb affections due solely to your most loving Lord? Ah, yes, otherwise too great would be your ingratitude toward him who has suffered so much for you. The Fruit Whenever you meditate or look upon the crucifix, say to yourself, Behold the condition to which my sins have reduced the Son of of God, and make acts of repentance in confidence in his mercy. When tempted to commit any sin, direct your thoughts to Jesus hanging on the cross and say, Jesus crucified, and I about to commit sin? Can this be? Never, never. There can be no remedy more efficacious against temptations of the flesh than the remembrance of the humiliations and sufferings endured by Jesus on the cross. Let such be your habitual thoughts that you may avail yourself of them to some purpose when you stand in need. Example Our divine Savior appeared once to St. Bridget in the state in which he was when nailed to the cross, all covered with the blood that was streaming from his wounds. The saint, being overwhelmed with sorrow at such a sight, exclaimed in a transport of love, Ah, Lord, 
who has reduced thee to so mournful a condition? Those, replied the Savior of the world, who despise my law, and, unmoved by all I have suffered for them, repay my love only by ingratitude. So deep an impression did this vision make upon the heart of the saint that she could never think of the passion without shedding floods of tears. The bleeding form of her Savior was ever present to her mind. Wherever she was, it was always before her eyes, and when at work, the abundance of her tears frequently forced her to pause. She was most ingenious in finding out methods of afflicting and macerating her flesh in memory of the sufferings of her Redeemer. She had a wound in her body, which she reopened every Friday, dropping burning wax upon it, thereby to nourish in her heart a lively remembrance of the sufferings of Jesus. Learn from this saint frequently to remember the passion of your Savior and to practice some mortification for his love. So that is our meditation for today. Once again, we hear about a a saint who many would consider, you know, incredibly extreme in their mortifications. And, you know, as Father Ignatius here of the side of Jesus has has mentioned before that, you know, not not everyone is called to such mortification. The saints often were extreme. Um, not that that's a bad thing. Obviously, they're saints. Um, but even if even if you're not called to, you know, something like reopening a wound and dropping burning wax into it every Friday, um, we are definitely all called to do some mortification and remembrance of the passion, uh, especially on Fridays. Um, which is one reason why the law of the church is still to this day to abstain from meat on Fridays. You know, it is a, it is a penance that, that sort of abstinence. So if, and of course the church, you know, in the church does allow for other substitutions, other penances to be done. Um, so I'm not saying that someone who doesn't abstain from meat on Friday is committing sin. I, I don't believe that, but, um, if if you are not currently abstaining from meat on Fridays, I, I highly suggest it. Um, it's a fairly simple and, you know, honestly, rather easy mortification that you can do to remember the passion. You know, Jesus Christ gave up his flesh for us, so the least we can do is give up flesh meat on Fridays. Um, certainly much easier than dropping burning wax into an open wound. So... Anyways, thank you for listening or watching. Um, This is coming out on Saturday the 25th. So uh, we will take tomorrow, Sunday off like we've been doing. And then continue forward from there on Monday. So Monday's meditation will be Jesus crucified prays for his enemies. Anyways, thank you all once again. I hope you have a great and blessed day. So God bless, and I'll see you next time.